were to say a number of things and just simply mention the word, the image immediately would come to your mind. If I said the word banana, there's not a one of you in a room wouldn't know what one looks like. If I said the word baseball, you know what that looks like. An image comes to your head immediately. I said the word football, you may think of a player, but most of the times we would think of the football. If I said the word car, there's a lot of versions of that, but you all would have some image in your head as to what one would look like. But if I said the word faith, what immediately comes to your head? What immediately comes to your mind? All kinds of word pictures. I could spend a day giving you a number of words, and every time I'd mention that word, an image of some kind would come to your head. But if I said the word faith, what comes to your mind? What does faith look like? What does it look like to you? What has it looked like to you? What does it entail in your life? What is faith? And more importantly, what does it look like? How many of you are dads in the room? At some point or the other, I'm sure you as dads have done this with your children. Is Caden Kozik in the room? You here, dude? Come on up. How many of you as dads, at some point or the other, have asked your children to take a leap of faith, knowing that you were going to catch them, knowing that you would always be there for them, knowing that you wouldn't drop them or let them bounce? Because people bounce, but they do hurt. Any of you in the room have ever done that with your children and are willing to admit that? That you've launched them somewhere along the way and you've allowed them the opportunity to jump and test whether or not they really believe that you're going to catch them. Back up a little bit, Kate. Now, I want to ask you a question before you do. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Back up. Okay, right there. You're good, man. You're good. All right, I want to ask you a question. If you jump off of this stage, do you believe that I'm going to catch you? You do? Well, then let me see how much you believe that. Fly, baby, fly! <laughs> Here you go, dude. Buy yourself some more Legos. What I understand, you guys love Legos at home. Whoo! Am I glad I caught him? I had two people who already knew what I was going to do volunteer to be the one this morning that would leap off the stage into my arms just to see if I would catch them. And trust me, they were bigger than him. <laughs> Any of you as a dad ever just launched your kids? I mean, just launched them in the air, knowing they would be caught. I used to do that with my own kids, which explains some things about, no, never mind. <laughs> We had an A-frame in our house in our last parsonage, and it was a high ceiling in the living room. And every so often when they were little, I'd make them lay on the floor on their backs, and then I would take them by the feet, pull them out, flip them over in the air, and grab them on the way down. My wife loved it. Just loved watching that. The look on their face was absolutely priceless. But they were absolutely convinced that when I launched them, I would catch them. And when I said to them, lay down, because they knew what I was going to do, they did it. Because they were convinced that what I asked them to do, knowing that it was going to require a step of faith, that they could trust that it was the right thing and it was okay, and they would not only land on their feet or land in my arms, that it would be a lot of fun and that they would be greatly improved based on the knowledge of that kind of trust. And their trust in me would hopefully stay for the rest of our lives together. Isn't it interesting that we can do that with our kids? Sometimes when God asks us, his children, to do some things that require a step of faith of some kind, and maybe sometimes a significant step of faith, we're not sure if we want to do that. I want to talk to you this morning about faith. 
What does it look like? What steps of faith maybe is God asking you to take? What does it look like in your life? What does it look like in your family? What does it look like for you personally? So often I hear faith talked about, but James and I believe that it not only ought to be talked about, fleshed out. It ought to be obvious. It ought to be visible. And everyone of you in the room here this morning have had some point in your life where you know God is asking you to do some things, and so you stepped out in faith and did that, and you never regret it. You are excited about what God's done, what he has taught you, but it did take some step of some kind, not just believing that it was okay, but really being convinced that if God is calling me to do it, I'm going in that direction. And I'm convinced not only is God calling me to do it, but I'm going to be a better individual because of it, and I can trust him because he is trustworthy. This morning I want to talk to you about faith. Some steps that God may be asking you to take, and taking them may require a certain amount of faith and trust in God. Any step of faith is usually a call to action. Some step that you need to take, based on what I know, this is what I will do. Based on what I know about God, this is what I will do. I have a line in your sermon notes this morning, one of my favorite. Your belief will determine your behavior. What you believe about God will determine whether or not you trust him in every area of your life. What you believe about God and what he's calling you to do and what he's going to do in your life as you take that step of faith will determine whether or not you take it. Your belief will always determine your behavior. If you really do believe that drinking and driving has consequences, you won't do it. It has nothing to do with your age, although obviously that's a huge issue. But if you really believe that drinking and driving has consequences, then you won't do it. If you don't believe that drinking and driving has consequences, then you will. If you really believe that driving and texting has some consequences, you most likely won't do it. But if it really doesn't matter to you and you don't think much about it and you think, oh, it won't happen to me, then it won't and you will. Your belief will determine your behavior. If you believe that the Word of God gives you direction in life, if it really is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path, then I'm going to be in it. If you just see it as an Old Testament or a New Testament book, one that was written a long time ago, that has some applicability and really good straight stories in it, but it really won't change my life and it doesn't affect me personally. And these Old Testament stories are great stories to know and teach our kids, but they really have nothing to do with my life and they don't mean a whole lot to me, then you probably won't be in it on a regular basis. But if you really do believe that the Word of God is a lamp into your feet and a light to your path, you'll be in it on a regular basis. You'll be looking to it for direction. If you really believe that God still speaks today, then you'll, then you'll listen to his spirit. If you really believe that God still heals today, then you will come and ask him for healing. If you really believe that the same God that was there in the Old Testament, the same Christ that was in the New Testament, walked the streets of Jerusalem and the shores of Galilee, is the same God that is here today and visits us and responds to our needs and likes us and loves us and cares about us, then I will follow him in obedience. If you don't believe that, then you'll do your own thing and run your own life. If you really believe that the best thing you can ever do in your life, if you're unsure about your relationship with God, is to fully submit yourself to Christ... Let him take control of your life. If you really believe that, you'll do that. Otherwise, God will always be your co-pilot. And if God's your co-pilot, you're in trouble. Now, it's a great bumper sticker and a great thing to put on your license plate so people think you're spiritual. But I just want you to know, if God is your co-pilot, you're in trouble. What you need is to get out of the pilot's seat and let him take over and let him be the pilot of your life. Now, if you really believe that it's critical to make that step and critical to do that, 
then you'll turn your life over to him. If you really believe that what we have to do and what we preach and what we talk about can change your life forever, then you'll submit your life to Christ. If you really believe that you can grow in your faith, that you can grow in wisdom by being involved in a ministry and getting connected with people, being intentional about relationships and deepening your walk with God, that really being involved in the life of an individual, of a child, can change their life forever, then you'll be involved. Otherwise, you'll sit in a seat. If you really do believe that the opportunity and the gifts that God has given me can change the life of a child or a young person for the rest of their lives, then you're going to get involved in one of those ministries. If you don't and believe that you have nothing to offer, you'll sit in the seat. If you really believe that my investment in the kingdom of God makes an eternal dis- difference, then you'll give. And you'll give generously. You won't have to be guilted into giving. You won't have to have pastors talk to you about tithing or 10% or 15% or anything like that. If you really do believe that what I'm investing in and what I'm giving to makes a difference for all eternity, then you will give. More than the dollar that you normally give when you visit a church, but that you really get involved in connecting in ministry and connecting with people and supporting its ministries and doing what it is that God's asked me to do. If you believe that, it will determine how you live. You have sermon notes in your bulletin this morning, so take them out if you've not already done that. And notice that we're going to continue our journey with Joshua. Hebrews chapter 11, which when I ask you about faith this morning, many of you who are long-term believers would have had that immediately come to your mind. That faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. I'm absolutely confident that God is who he says he is, even if I don't have to see him. I am absolutely confident that what God says he does and can do is exactly what he will do, and I don't have to see him to do it to believe it. Hebrews then in 11 chapter, the 11th chapter follows up with a number of examples of that. It'll say things like this, by faith Abraham went. By faith Abel bought. By faith Noah built. Every time you hear that phrase, I am absolutely confident that this is what God's calling me to do. Even if I don't see the end results of that, I'm absolutely committed to following him no matter what. Then you will do something. There is always an action step that follows that belief. Last Sunday morning, we began the journey in the life of Joshua, one of the greatest books of the Old Testament, one of the greatest characters of the Old Testament. As long as I'm here, I'm going to spend time in the Word of God, and I am convinced that we ought to be in the New Testament, the Old Testament as well, and learn that some of these stories are just as real and alive and applicable today as when they were written thousands of years ago. And a few months ago when I was putting together a schedule for the fall, I thought this is a great book with some incredible lessons. This man lived a life of faith. He believed in God. He trusted in God. It wasn't one of those days or one of those moments when God went to Joshua and said, hey, just want you to know about 10 years from now, Moses is going to die. You better be ready because I'm going to call you up. He walked into his life and said, hey, I want you to know Moses just died. You're up. God did that based on this life that he'd seen in this man's life that was committed to faith, committed to belief, committed to following God, trusting in him if he didn't even see the end results, but totally obedient to everything that God was teaching him and totally in tune with the lessons that he could learn in life. So that when Moses died, God could walk into Joshua's life and say, hey, I want you to know, Moses gone, you're it, you're up. And he could say, okay, let's go. 
For Joshua, the next steps of faith were geographical. Also within the realm of leadership. He was one of those that would have said, based on what I know of God, this is where I'm going to go. Based on what I know of God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be obedient to that call. For you, the next steps may look vastly different than certainly they were for Joshua. For you, the next steps may be relational. Maybe there's some friends in your life that you need to not be around so much. Maybe there's some people in your life that you know are influencing you in a negative way. They're not lifters, they're downers. They're not lifting you up, they're pulling you down, pulling you away. And, and maybe that next step for you is God is saying to you right now and tomorrow or today at the end of the message, you know what, they're not helping you at all. And maybe your next step is opposite of that. Maybe your next step is saying, you know what, God, I have been given so much. You've entrusted so much into my care. I love what it is that you've taught me. I want to bring somebody into my life based on what I saw yesterday, and I want to help them along the way. God, I want to get involved in a small group. I've been hearing it. I've heard all the stories. I know the value of it. At least I've heard some people tell me about that, and I want to experience it for myself. I've not seen it for me, but I really think that's a great opportunity for me. And so for you, it may be saying, you know what, Ted, I want to get into a small group. How do I do that? What do I need to do? And making that call tomorrow. For others of you, it may be financial. Maybe God is saying to you, you know what? You're heavily in debt. You are so far in debt, you'll never see the end. And maybe the step that God is asking you to take is to eliminate some things in your life. To not have your wants satisfied so quickly and fast. To be able to say, look, these steps that I'm taking right now are going to take me down a road that I can't get out of. So I need to take some steps to get back up and get some air and get some wind and see the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's the opposite of that. I've been thinking around for a long time when I hear services and sermons and I see the plate go by and realizing I've really never committed. I've never really invested financially in what God's doing here at Community Alliance Church. I've never, never been involved in another ministry. I've never given to another project of any kind. None of us would ever do that in a restaurant and say, great meal, thanks, come back and not do anything about it. Good night, we'd even give them 20% tip on top of what it is that we paid for the meal. And yet there are a lot of people that sit in, none of them here, but in other churches I've heard, <laughs> where they'll sit and receive and never, ever be involved in financially supporting it. For others of you, it may be a new job. Maybe God's saying to you, well, you know what, uh, we've been talking a lot about this. You've sensed him leading you in that direction, and now all of a sudden you need to take that step of faith, believing that he's calling you to it. Maybe the opposite of that. Maybe you've had that offer in front of you for quite a while, and you know it's a pretty lucrative offer. And it could really change you, but it's going to have a negative impact on your family. And maybe it's saying no to that new job. And that's a huge step of faith to you financially. Getting involved in a ministry, making a difference in the life of a child, changing behavior. The men's conference we had here yesterday, Ted and his team did a great job. We had 150 guys sitting in the audience for almost all day. It was a sunny Saturday that we could have been doing anything, and yet all of these guys came together and from 8.30 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon watched video after video after video and had con constant conversations about what God was teaching them and saying to them. But maybe now it's saying, you know, I heard God's voice yesterday, and this is what he's asking me to do, and I need to do it. I need to start praying with my wife. I need to start praying over my kids. The counsel Sammy Rodriguez, one of the greatest speakers I've heard in a long period of time said my dad used to send me out every day with a five second blessing God protect him God keep him God keep him pure watch over him, put a hedge around him bring him home and call him into your life that was it he said every day of my life my dad sent me out the door let me out of the car so I could go to school praying that prayer over me and usually saying it out loud 
Whatever it is that God was calling you to do yesterday, was there anything that you wrote down you solidified and God says to you, that is the next step you need to take in your life and in your family. The nation of Israel didn't have a great track record of faith. Their lack of faith led to bad choices, and bad choices always what? Have consequences. And because of that, they wandered the desert for 40 years. Did you ever wonder why 40 years? I mean, was it because it was all led by men? Nobody asked for directions? That's the one we hear all the time. You know why the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? They were led by Moses, who was a man who never asked for directions. So they kept wandering around trying to find their way there. All kinds of rationale that we have heard all through the ages. Last Sunday morning, I said this trip should have taken 13 to 14 days, but wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Let me give you the answer to that. It's in Numbers 13 and 14. Where God comes to the Israelites and said this, I want you to understand that not a one of you is going to enter the land that I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb and Joshua. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I'm going to bring them into this land to enjoy what you have rejected. But you, your bodies are going to fall into the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness. You ought to underline the word your, because that's a huge reminder of the impact that our choices have on the next generation. Until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness for 40 years, one for every of the 40 days you explored the land. You will suffer for your sins and know what it's like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things on this whole wicked community which banded together against me. They will meet their end in the wilderness, and here they will die. Choices have consequences. Bad choices can destroy you and your family and the next generation beyond that. You want to be a follower of Christ? going to take faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is confident of what I know and assurance of what I do not see. Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should both. 2 Corinthians, I don't have to see it to believe because I walk by faith. I'm not walking by sight. I don't have to see a miracle to know that God is still here today. I don't have to see him perform a miracle to know that I can come to him with anything because I walk by faith and not by sight. Romans 14 said everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Now, there are at least three kinds of faith in your sermon notes this morning. One is saving faith. It's when you realize that Jesus Christ is your only hope. It's when you know for sure beyond the shadow of a doubt with all the messages you've heard and all the things that people have told you and the sermons that you've sat under that Jesus Christ really is the answer to life. And he's the one that I know I need to commit my life to. So at some point or the other, whatever that may look like for you, you came forward, you raised your hand, you talked to a friend, you prayed with the pastor, you prayed with an elder, you prayed a prayer over the radio, whatever that may have looked like, but you gave your life to Christ. You knew that Jesus was the answer. And you were willing to step over that line knowing that you were going to turn your back on your old way of life and become all that he designed you to be, but you knew you at least had to take that first step and commit your life to Jesus. And hopefully all of you in this room have taken that step, recognizing that saving faith is the thing that I need in my life because of what Christ has done for the cross and done on the cross, I put my life in his hands and I receive him as a savior. Now, obviously, you need to know that saving faith is only the beginning of the journey. Now, there is intellectual faith. A lot of people sitting in churches all across America have that kind of faith. They know all about God. You could walk into the streets of Butler, downtown Butler, and say, do you believe in God? They say, yeah, I believe in God. 
I heard people sitting in churches who would say the same thing. Of course I believe in God. Did he write the Bible? Yep. I could even quote you some verses. Let me throw you some. And so they'd talk about God. They would sing about God. They would quote a verse every once in a while about God. But it made absolutely no difference in their life or their lifestyle. It was all in here. A lot of knowledge about God. But it made no difference in their life at all. The problem with that kind of faith that even demons have that kind of faith. It is not only dangerous to have, it's dangerous in a sense to have that kind of faith and not do anything about it. To have that kind of knowledge about God and know that he's calling you to do something and to be somebody and to not do anything about it. But the danger of that kind of faith is that it can really destroy your life. Even demons have that kind of faith. James is the one that says, let me tell you this much. Faith without evidence is really dead. You tell me you have faith, I want to see it. I want to see it fleshed out in your life. I want to see it visible. I want to know what it looks like. I want to see the tangible results that kind of faith has made in your life. Someone will say, well, I have faith. Others will say, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, though, and you need to know that. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to a lake. A large crowd from Galilee followed them. When they heard about it and all that he was doing, many people came from everywhere. Because of the crowd, he said to his disciples, look, I've got to get into a small boat and get away a little bit. They're crowding me in. He'd healed a lot of people, and those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him even more. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him, and they cried out, you are the Son of God. Even the demons know who he is. In Luke chapter 8, they sailed to the region of the Gasserines, which is across from the Lake of Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he met a man who was demon-possessed from the town Long time he would run around, not wearing clothes, not living in a house, living in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? People sitting in churches all over the world who have intellectual faith. They're all about God. They may even know the Bible, but it's had no impact on their life. Being a follower of Christ is so much more than going to church, sitting in a pew, believing there is a God, or quoting a verse. It's committing your life to Christ and knowing that because of that, it's going to change everything about me. And I'm willing to take all the necessary steps of faith that are, that are required of me to grow and be all that God has designed me to be, which is a third type of faith, a practical faith. A faith that leads to action. A willingness to trust that if I jump off, if he's calling me to do that, that he will catch me. If I'm trusting him for everything in my life, then what he asks me to do, I will do. Where he's asking me to go, I will go. Based on what I know about God, this is what I'll do. Based on what I know about God, this is how I will live. Joshua is a prime example of that. First nine verses, look at what it says in the first one. After the death of Moses, the servant of God, the Lord said to Joshua, that needs to be pointed out, Joshua, the son of, Nose, of, son of uh, Nun, Moses' aid. Moses is gone. You and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan. And then he tells him everything we read about last week. Three times he said, be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous, verse 7. Be careful to obey my law that I gave you. Don't deviate from the right or to the left. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. You'll be successful wherever you go. Again, verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will go with you everywhere you go. In light of what God has said to me. Look at verse 10. So... This is what I will do. In light of what I know about God, 
in light about what I know about his promises, in light of what I've experienced about God and I know to be true, this is what I will do. So, verse 10, he ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp, tell the people, get ready, we're going. In light of what I know about God, this is what I'm going to do. Look at their answer, though, in verse 16. I couldn't pass this up. 16 of chapter 1. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Do you know the story of their relationship with Moses? That, to me, is one of the most intriguing statements in the, New Te- in the Old Testament for a period of time there. It'll get better. But when I looked at it, I think, we did everything Moses. No, you didn't. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and doesn't obey it, whatever you command them will be put to death. Now look at this last phrase, only be strong and courageous. For Joshua's next steps were obvious. We're going. We're going. We're moving ahead. We're doing exactly what God has called us to do. And we're going to claim the promises of God and we will move out. For you, it may be different. I'm not even sure what God's calling you to do, but I want you to at least keep four things in mind. As you listen for the voice of God and you listen to the Spirit of God, and then you answer the question I'm going to ask you at the end of the service. If you're wondering about what your next steps are, how will I know? Let me give you four things that you ought to do when you're sensing God calling you to take a step of faith. Number one, look for confirmation. Look for confirmation. I'm so sorry. This It will be confirmed. I use the segment that I pointed out a moment ago for a very obvious reason that I never noticed before until I was putting all this together. You see what Joshua heard, and the reason I pointed it out in the first nine verses, God said to Joshua, there was no indication in the first chapter that anybody else heard those words. And then look at how they respond and look at what they say. Three times God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And then look at what they say in verse 18. Only be strong and courageous. There's no indication in Scripture that they ever heard what God said to Joshua in those first nine verses. But God, as only God can do, confirms it to Joshua when he now decides, this is what I'll do. Based on what I know, this is what I'll do. And God confirms it to me in my heart when I looked at that by that simple phrase. And as honest as I know how to tell you, God will also do that for you. If God is asking you to do something, he will confirm it. And it will come in a number of ways. I usually look for all four. Number one, it will come through his word. It will come through his word. Now, if you've heard the audible voice of God, where God literally out loud told you to do this, then you better be obedient to that. But most of us, because we haven't heard the audible voice of God, we sense in our spirit this is what he's calling us to do. This is what he's asking of me. And what I encourage you to do, what I do in my life, is I look for confirmation. And I look for it, number one, in his word. Which infers what? You've got to be in the word. You've got to be in the word. God, do you really want me to give? Man, I could give you 20 chapters on that one. But you've got to be in the Word, and he'll con- confirm that in some way. Number two is, is through people. He'll confirm it through people. Now, I have in your sermon notes, I think it is, yeah, trusted people. Yesterday, we were going through the process with the guys, and it was really fascinating. We got one guy leading our all group, and it was just basically turn around, talk to people. Some of you know, some of you don't. We get to the third session, and there was a really honest gut question 
that they were asking you to fill out, asking you to answer them out loud. And I looked and I said, and I honestly, I said, whoa, man, I don't know if I know you all well enough to say this. So when you're sensing from God, I hope you have people in your life that you really trust, that you can go to and say, this is what I'm sensing. Do you see this in your small group, in your accountability group, or a guy or a female in your life that you really trust and you can be vulnerable with and you can talk to them about what they're seeing? Be intentional, obviously, about that and pick people that you know that you can trust. He will also confirm it in your heart. I really believe that. I've heard people say, well, God's calling me to it, but my heart's not in it. Trust me. I, I, I have a hard time with that one, especially I, I've not seen it that way for the long haul. They may have taken a huge step of faith and have done something and then really did find out their heart wasn't in it and they're not in it now. But I, God knows you. God knows me. He knows how you're wired. He made you. He formed you. He shaped you. He gave you gifts. He gave you personality. He knows exactly who you are and exactly what he's calling you to do and exactly why you are the one to do it. And deep down inside your soul, you'll know that he's calling you to do that. Number four is circumstances. Circumstances. Be careful with that one. There are a lot of people who say, well, God opened the door, so I walked through it. That may be okay. But there may be no steps, no stairs, and no landing, and you walked off a cliff. Now, there are other people who just jump on the mat like you do in a supermarket, hoping that it will open. For some reason, it's stuck, but you know it's going to open, so you keep jumping on that mat until it opens. There are a lot of other people who look in life. They've already made a decision as to what they want to do, and it's probably contrary to what they should do, but they run around looking for a number of people because they said they need confirmation from people, and so they go to everybody they can possibly find to ask this question of, and they finally found that one to agree with the thing they've already done when nobody else said that, and they say, see, she told me I should have done it. You ever notice that? Now, maybe it's just me. But I notice a lot of times running around trying to find somebody to agree with the decision they've already made when a lot of people along the way have said, that's not the best thing you can do. But now they finally found this one to agree, and so they go in that direction. Be very careful with that one. But I'm telling you, there are so many times that God opens up the most amazing doors. And you know for sure, based on his word, based on people, based on what you know in your heart, and the opportunities that he's opened up, that's the direction he wants you to go. A few weeks ago when I wrote this, I had no idea that my kids would be making the decision and the announcement, as I said last Sunday morning in their church, about leaving. But when they lined out and laid out everything that God was asking them to do, and I'd already written this, it was these four things. And God totally confirmed it and said, as hard as this is going to be, this is what I want you to do. Number two, when taking the next steps, do your homework. When taking next steps, do your homework. Do due diligence. Joshua chapter 2, if it's not blind faith, Joshua chapter 2, you say, well, Joshua didn't have a lot of faith. He sent, God already told him what to do, but he sent out the two spies. No, do due diligence. Do your homework. If you sense God calling you to get involved in some ministry or the other, whatever that may look like, then explore it. Go to family experience and say, man, that'd be fun. I can do that. Watch a class. Visit a class. Go into a small group. Talk to Ted about it. Whatever that may be. I'd love to invest my life in a student, in a high school student, in a junior hire. Whatever that may be, check it out. Test it. See what is out there. Explore the possibilities. I'm not going to let you land on your own. Do you honestly think that I asked Caleb to come do that this morning for the very first time in his life? No. He and I were in here Friday practicing that. <laughs> 
I want to make sure that he trusted me enough. And I want to, Caden, I want to make sure he would fly off of there. Explore the possibilities. Number three, remember your next steps impact the lives of people. If I were God, I would have left out Joshua chapter 3. But next Sunday morning, we're going to explore one of the most fascinating stories in all the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 3. And the impact of their decision impacted Rahab and her family. Dads, if God is calling you to a new job or a new place, I need you to know it has an enormous impact on your family in a positive way and maybe a negative way. But you need to know before you make that decision, just because the offer looks good and it's lucrative and it's a great step up the ladder, whatever you may be doing, I just need you to know it has an impact on your family. Now, that may be positively, but if you're not careful, it could be negatively. That great story in the Old Testament between Lot and Abraham. They couldn't get along. They were relatives. Their people didn't get along with each other. Their servants didn't get along. And so finally Abraham came to Lot one day and said, look, you know, we're just not connecting here. It's not getting along. Our families aren't getting along, which I know you've never experienced in your life about families not getting along. But he said, it's just not working. You choose wherever you want to go. Lot looked down over towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And, of course, we know the end of the story. He just looked down and said, ooh, that looked great. He said, well, I'll take that one. And the impact on his family was huge. Your decisions that may be awesome on paper could change your family's life forever. So make sure you know you've heard from God. Not taking a step of faith has negative consequences as well. You may be that one person that could mentor somebody else or be involved in that class or work with that youth group or work with that child or be in that experience. You may be that one person that makes such a huge difference in that person's life. Had you not decided to do that, they wouldn't be where they are. The people that God has put in my life at certain times in my life strategically placed them there. Had they not been obedient and said, you know what, I believe in this kid, I'm going to love him, I'm going I'm to uh, teach him, I'm going to show him, I'm going to pray for him, I'm going to believe in him. The people that God sends into your life can change your life forever. Make sure you've heard from God and be willing to take those steps. And number four, I'm almost certain that you will find opportunities that you would have never otherwise experienced without that step of faith. Had Joshua stayed where he would have been, he would have never seen the amazing things that God was about to do in his life over the next few weeks. He could have easily said, God, that Red Sea thing was awesome. I'm good. I'm just going to stay here, build my camp, build a house, and we're, we're good. That was amazing. Well, what I saw you do in Moses' life, and the list is endless. He saw God do some great things. And had he stayed where he was, he could have been okay. But God says, you know what? I want you to do this. And I'm going to take you to places that will blow your mind. Do you trust me? And he would have never seen some of the things that he saw unless he took that step of faith. What is it that God's asking you to do? I'm not sure what that may be, but I know you know. If you really do believe that God's word is a lamp into your feet and a light to your path, and you're not having regular devotions and you're not in the word of God on a regular basis, then maybe that's what you ought to write down. I, I need to have devotions more regularly. If you really do believe that, as we heard yesterday morning, that prayer with your wife makes a difference as a guy, you ought to write that down. If you really do believe 
that some of the behaviors that I'm participating in and some of the friends that I have are a detriment to my life, I need to take a step of faith and believe that God's going to walk with me out of that situation and out of that relationship and out of that circumstance, and I'm going to go in this direction. And you need to write that down. Maybe it's the other side of that. Man, I've been trying to live this Christian life on my own. I've been so isolated, insulated. I have no friends. I have nobody that I can trust in my life. Maybe God's saying to you, you need to find that friend. There could be a hundred other things that God is calling you to do. Maybe it is to take that promotion. Maybe it is to turn down that promotion. For some of you, it may be changing a behavior. It's impacting my family, this anger I've got to deal with. Maybe it's finally getting counseling. Maybe it's saying, you know what? I've been carrying this baggage around from relationship to relationship. It is destroying me. It's destroying the people I love but I've been carrying this baggage around forever. Maybe it's saying, you know what? I need to call the counselor. It's in the bulletin every week. I need to take that step of faith and make that call. I've been digging around about small groups forever. Maybe it's calling Ted and saying, okay, Denny said today's the day, so I'm calling it. Extension 218 at 2820230, and I want to get involved. Whatever that may be, what is it he's asking you to do? I want you to literally write it down. How are you looking at me? Now you've got to look down because it's the best way to write. And then I'm going to give you one more. What is it he's asking you to do? I mean, if you've heard the Spirit of God, you sense there's a step of faith that he's asking you to take, you've got 30 seconds to write it down. What is it? What does it look like in your life? step that some of you are sensing in your heart. You've heard a lot about Christianity. You know you have intellectual faith. You believe in God. You know he exists. You could quote a verse or two and you've been in church for a long time, but you've never really committed your life to Christ. You've never really fully submitted to him. You know he's who he says he is, but you know in your heart that if you died tonight, you'd be scared to death to face Almighty God. Not because of your behavior or the past, because you really don't know where you stand before God. I'm saying to you, that could be the best step you'll ever take. It will be the best step you could ever take in your life, but it could be the step today that could change your life for all eternity. If you don't know for sure that your life is in Christ's hands and that you trust Him completely with your life and you've taken your hands off and you've given your life fully to Him, today is the day that you really ought to do that. And for you, that step of faith is getting up out of where you're at and walking down here and praying with one of these guys who are going to be here in a minute to say, I need to give my life to Christ. I really don't know for sure that if I died tonight, where I'd go. We've all seen the Willanda guys and the guy that crossed the Niagara River. In 1859, there was one guy who crossed, one of the first ones who went, Jean-Francois Charles Blondin was the other name. Walked across and went to the other side. Before he got to the other side with that pole on his shoulders and walking across that tightrope, he said, how many believe that if I put you on my shoulder, we could walk over to the other side safely? And everybody raised their hands. Who wouldn't? I've already seen him do it a number of times. 
Then he said, okay, which one of you want to do it? All the hands went back down. What you believe about God and your life and your future and your relationship with him has much more significance than that. But if you have never given your life to Christ and trusted him completely with your life and your future, do it today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. It is an amazing story. And we're so delighted that the lessons didn't retain themselves in pages old, so old that have no impact on our lives, but they're so true and can change us forever. So God, as you have spoken to us today and we have written this down, do not let this be another thing where we've just simply made a statement, said a word, or wrote a phrase, but didn't do anything about it. And for those this morning who are not sure about where they stand with you, may today be the day they commit themselves to you forever. If you're not sure, please come this way. We have family experience, great time with your kids and as a family. I would love to see you go there and learn a lot. You'll see some fascinating things take place today from what I understand. But while everyone goes in another direction, if you don't know where you stand with Christ, man, please come this way. One of these guys would love to, and I will too, if you're okay with that. But otherwise, we'll do the hand bump and the, and the hand or whatever um, so you don't get what I got. I'm, uh, just thank you so much for your attention today. If I can help you in any way or we can pray with you, if you don't know Christ, please come this way. God bless you. Have a great day. I've been restless on the inside